It is so great to be with you again. Uh, for those that don't know me, I'm Ben Zing. I'm the pastor of evangelism and community at Central Presbyterian Church. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity to share God's word uh, with you this morning as it's such an amazing privilege uh, to lean on God's word, uh, to know God's truth continues to speak and continues to challenge and guide us, not just as small C churches, but as a big C church. And just the opportunity to be with you again just reminds me of the great work God's doing in our city as well as all around the world. So let's spend some time here just uh, looking into God's word and, and trusting in his spirit. So let's pray as we open up the word. Father, thank you so much for you. Thank you again for your great promises for us. And thank you so much for your word that sustains and gives us life. Now move us forth with your Holy Spirit. Speak to us that we can live boldly for your for your word and for your, your what you called us to. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, when I was a pastor in Chicago before coming to St. Louis, I would often lead mission trips over the summer. And we would bring teams to New York City. Uh, we would bring teams to San Francisco. We brought a team to Taiwan. Uh, but there was one particular year that God was really leading us to stay in Chicago. And especially not even in Chica downtown Chicago, we were called to stay in the suburbs of Chicago about 10 miles from where our church was in Wheaton. And I got connected with a local church planner that was planning church among Burmese and Nepalese. And he intentionally moved his family to a neighborhood that was 10 miles from our church that was in a neighborhood that had a lot of Nepalese in that area. As we spent time with this church planner, he did a lot of studying of God's word with us, prayer walks. Uh, we walked around the neighborhood, which was just a suburban neighborhood, just like ours. So it was really strange because it was just like our neighbors and we could do it all the time. But here we were intentionally, again, reaching out to a community that was predominantly Nepalese. And one of the things that he had us do was go down to downtown Chicago, too, to visit Little India. And it was during this time in Little India where the church planner gave us this challenge. He gave us some time to reflect, journal, spend time with God. And as we were walking down, especially Lakeshore Drive, uh, he asked us to think particularly about God's beauty. And as we gathered back to debrief, he asked each one of us, where did you see God's beauty? And some of us were saying, oh, we saw it all through the sun reflecting off Lake Michigan. Others were saying, in the beautiful sky in God's creation. Someone mentioned, oh, in the flower, the beautiful flower that God created. And the church planner stopped us. And he said, how many of you saw God's beauty in that homeless man that's right over there? How many of you saw beauty in that Nepalese family having a picnic over there? We've neglected to see the beauty in the thing that God sees the most beautiful, which is his humanity. He created us, and he created us special, especially. And the ability for us to not see that has blown us away. All of us on that team, we were just moved because we knew creation points us to God. But how much more should that homeless man and the Nepalese family, the church planner brought us over to that Nepalese family. He introduced himself. He greeted them. He warmly just said hello and in that they warmly greeted us back and they actually showed the hospitality that's so common in their culture and they brought us over to their place invited us over for tea and snacks and they shared us their, their they shared with us the journey that they were on as they came from nepal all the way to chicago and what they were doing in chicago and the church planner shared who he was and what brought him to chicago and what he was doing in chicago and which eventually led them to know that he was a pastor that was doing these things to show the great love he has for them and others. I'll be indebted forever to this church planner. 
because it reminds me of God sharing that great beauty that is found in humanity. The ability, there's obvious brokenness that mars God's beautiful creation. But ultimately, we need to see how Jesus saw when he looked at broken people. Beauty of God's creation. A person that is deeply valued by God. A person that has dignity. And today, this passage that we're going to turn to, I hope reminds us of the beauty we need to be reminded of. Connected with. And see how God leads in leading others and ourselves to healing and hope through the transforming work of the gospel. So if you would turn with me to Acts 3, 1 through 10. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they led daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter... And John, about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. But Peter, or sorry, and he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. As we continue to consider how the transforming work of the gospel works in our lives, it is wonderful to know that, again, we can go to God's word. We can lean on his word, especially in these times. And we hear in the book of Acts, it's a continuation of the gospel of Luke. We see in Luke, he wrote volume one, which is the gospel. And we saw all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into he- heaven. And in volume two, the book of Acts here, the Acts of the Apostles, is about what Jesus Christ continued to do in the world through his followers after he was taken up to heaven. As much as the act of the apostles recorded, it may be better to point that Jesus empowered the church and his followers with a promised Holy Spirit. So it really is the acts of the Holy Spirit who took ordinary people and does extraordinary things for him and his kingdom. So we have seen the ways God has been moving and he continues to share with us in his word. I've been watching uh, the sermons that you guys have been going over the last couple of weeks. And God continues to share his truth through the word. And that empowerment of the church and what's going on, especially in these times, is the gospel that continues to share with us the truth that we can maintain and hold. But today, we just have two quick points. And it's today that this, the message that we have today will point us to, one, boldness to care. We'll see that in Acts 3, 1 through 4. And then boldness to share. We'll see that in Acts 3. 5 through 10. Now, if you can just look at the passage with me, it opens up with Peter and John, these two characters, and as they're going to the temple to pray. And Peter and John, what an interesting combination, actually. Only God would have put these two together for their personalities were so polar opposite. Peter was outgoing. He was gregarious, impetuous, opinionated. John was serene, contemplative, reflective, 
tender. He was the one that Jesus loved and he, who leaned on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. Peter had his feet on the rock. John had his head to the clouds. John would outrun Peter to the tomb. Peter would push past John and rush right in. Peter would dash out, out, out again, his mind in a whirl. So Peter and John, they were opposites. By nature, they would get on each other's nerves, and now they walked together. Christ's death and resurrection had brought these men into closer relationship with each other. By nature and temperament, they were different, but they were partners with the understanding of the gospel. One example for us to consider the ways we are doing ministry together. First, for our own churches. I know there's just so many different personalities, different thoughts, different reflections of who we are in God's church and how God's called us to be in partnership with each other, even when they don't think like us or their personalities are different or if that actually rubs us the wrong way. How powerful it is that God calls us in that unity together through the gospel and how we're supposed to be doing that because not any of us have all the gifts. We're supposed to recognize how each one of us brings our gifts that God has given us to serve the church, to love the church, to love each other, to love our community. And in that way, we need to continue to see how God's calling us to be in this unity together. And not just our small churches and what we see, but also in the big C, the big churches as well. So that's why I was so glad to see Central Pres and Central West End and One Family Church and Friendly Temple and others come together for unity in the Lou to pray and worship together for St. Louis. And not just these churches, but I know that we're partnered with many other churches to see what we can do to bring the word of God and bring unity in our city and how that is brought about because we're not the same. We're different. And how we can listen to each other and understand each other's perspectives and understand how we see God and how God's moving us together in unity. And that allows us again to see the gospel at work. I love that term, unity in the loo. We'll find unity together where we're unified in God and his word and the gospel. But we know that we're not the same. We're not called to uniformity. We're called to unity. Here again, let's get back into the passage here as they're going to the temple. They went to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And let's remember, Jesus had died and was crucified and he was risen. However, even with the curtain being torn and the temple had this historic legacy that would indicate to people that only the pure can come in. And when you have that understanding that only the pure are welcomed, we see verse 2, why this lame man is still outside, begging, outside the temple. He's not inside the temple worshiping with everybody. He's outside. And we see this man who was lame from birth was brought to the gate, and it was called beautiful to ask for alms to those who would enter the temple. So many would argue which entrance this was, or, but the name itself shares the thought that it was ornate. And it welcomed people because it was so beautiful. It must have been a beautiful sight. Jophetius actually describes this gate on the Temple Mount uh, made of this Corinthian brass, fine Corinthian brass, 75 feet tall with double, huge double doors. So beautiful that it greatly exceeded those that were only covered with silver and gold. So when you see the temple and what it represents, this amazing, huge thing that allow people to see God. There was still this message historically that only the important could come in. Only the pure were welcome. But verse 3, we see 
Peter and John, knowing they were called to go to the temple to pray, which is important to worship and pray to God. But they saw this man. And he saw, the, the blind, lame beggar saw Peter and John. It means a simple act of seeing. Here's two able-bodied men walking by, and they're another source of loose change for him. So he calls out to them, and Peter directed his gaze as did John and said, look at us. This is the word atenizo in the Greek, and it's where we get the word attention. The man must have been happy and encouraged when Peter and John looked at him intently. Most people who want to ignore beggars are careful not to make eye contact with them. Here we see Peter and John looking intently at him. They looked at him as Jesus did the people. During Jesus' ministry, he would lock eyes with people. When he had his ministry on earth, we saw that compassion that came out of him, a touch that showed compassion, the look that showed compassion. He saw the brokenness in their lives and the junk that was not letting them see God, but he saw each one of them as valuable creations of God, needing the transforming work of Jesus. He didn't have compassion and love uh, that was void of this love that Jesus was just overflowing from. It came so that their lives could be together and healed by Jesus. Jesus met them with a look of value and dignity. So Peter and John, they had seen this over and over again from Jesus. And they learned from the model of Jesus. Jesus saw with eyes that looked upon people. Now Peter uh, and John were led the same way Jesus looked on people with value and dignity. So Peter and John had walked with Jesus and they continued to see the ways that they wanted to do that, but they weren't perfect. He promised them the Holy Spirit that would lead them and allow them to do this. They had to recognize their own brokenness and failure and it allowed them to come to the grips with the gospel that what they're sharing in that intentful look in the eye was to help them see that they can find hope because they had found the same hope. Peter with first, second, third, fourth chances. And that's the gospel at work in our lives. And him reaching out with those eyes of compassion is coming from a place of that humility, brokenness, and knowing that Jesus healed. That is the gospel. It is through the transforming work of the gospel in our lives, they know that we're boldly called to care. Care for this lame beggar and care for anyone that needs to know this transforming work of the gospel. They looked upon him the same way that Jesus looked upon creation, and they looked with dignity, and they looked with God's eyes, and they saw what truly was beautiful at the beautiful gate. It wasn't the gate. It was God's creation that saw this man. I know my encounters with beggars on the street, and I too often am ashamed that I don't lock eyes with them. When I'm driving my car, I like to drive right past them or not even make eye contact. But these passages make me, again, just be reminded of the ways that they are God's creation and how much we need to love them. And it's difficult because when you drive past someone, it's hard to engage in that kind of relationship and just even know if helping them with loose changes is even going to help them because sometimes helping actually hurts. So I love creative ideas that people have been coming up with, like creating a blessing bag to keep in your car with hand sanitizer and maybe a snack, a granola bar and a water bottle so that when you see someone there, you can hand it. And our children's ministry actually went so far to even provide that for people in our, in our church, as well as write Bible verses that can, they could include into that blessing bag. 
And one time I was kind of stopped at a stoplight with my family and my kids were so excited about these blessing bags. They said, dad, dad, can we give it to that person that's on the street? And we stopped and we gave and we were sharing here, God bless you. And I hope this really helps you at this time of need. And as we were, she said, thank you. And as we were leaving, I could just see back. She opened it and she saw the Bible verse and there's tears in her eyes. And again, what ways, again, can we be creative? And those are just things that, again, we're just passing by. But as we're walking alongside a lot of people that we see on the streets, what ways can we really compassionately love, especially in these times, to be careful, but at the same time, really show compassion and love? There are opportunities to share a meal or give food rather than money, but point them to also the other resources of shelters and ministries that help. I know Central, we've been so thankful for ministries we've partnered with like Sunshine Ministries in the downtown or kind of Bridge of Hope here in the city, just opportunities to partner as they do that work, engaging with those that are in poverty or especially in the homeless. Central is also involved in a ministry called Harvest, which is engaged in work with immigrant refugees in St. Louis. And there was a desire to connect with these refugees from Nepal and Burma and kind of Congo. And now more recently, the Iraqi and Syrian and this was established through creating raised bed gardens in their backyards. But this isn't just a gardening ministry. This was actually supposed to be something that would build deeper friendships and relationships by giving them dignity to build something in their backyard, to create gardens and things that they're used to and just be able to harvest that as they would hear as we wanted to grow in friendship with our new American neighbors. The team had a deep call from God to boldly care in the dignity of others, so gardening was to help them create something. We also, through that ministry, met other organizations that were doing similar work. One in particular that I met was called the Revival School of Art. And what they did was after school, they would have this program to teach kids art. And what they were finding that with a lot of these refugee kids, they were not holding on to their own culture because they were so fast forward here in the U.S. that they were learning English faster than their parents. And a lot of times when it came to how to build bills or do things in the hospitals, they usually were translators for their parents. And they were learning American customs and culture and language that they were now wanting to be more American than they were their own culture. And the director of the Revival School of Arts, he wanted them to recapture who they are in their culture and how to express that in a way that they can see God. So he wanted them to learn music, fashion design, dance, and all of those things could be a way that they reflect their culture to, again, show God's beauty. And every time that he would start these meetings or even end the meetings, he would start with that talk of saying, you have dignity, God's created you, and you have something special to share with those here in St. Louis. So they'll have these art kind of shows at the end of each semester, and it's a beautiful sight of seeing God, again, uphold the dignity of people and allow us to see his work that he continues to do. I continue to pray what boldly care looks like for us today. There are many ways God is calling us to be his lights and examples outside the walls of our church. And we've had to become very creative in these times of how to love our neighbor, how to love our neighborhood, how to love our city. But God's saying, don't stop. Pray, reflect, seek others that will want to do that together to be the reflection of God that will care deeply, boldly care for those that need to know the transforming work of the gospel. That leads us to boldly share. There was this 
huge desire from Peter and John to extend fellowship with this lame beggar. He's expecting to receive something back, but Peter indicates that he has no silver and gold, but he does offer something much more valuable. He offers him Jesus. He sees a miraculous physical healing, but more importantly, this was a sign again of God's great work of spiritual healing. Jesus did this through his ministry as well, and now it continues in his disciples through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But it is this bold sharing that we can offer people Jesus and the life that can be transformed by his powerful work. Look at verse 7. He took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Peter took him by the right hand. He offered the right hand of fellowship. There was this extension from Peter to offer genuine relationship and desire to again see the hope for this man because Peter himself had experienced it. Verses 8 and 10 through 10. And leaping up, he stood up and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. See, after this healing, they entered the temple together. This historical place that said only the pure are welcome. Peter and John brought him into the temple together, and they walked in together in fellowship. I hope we don't lose this part of the story. The lame beggar felt like he had to be outside just begging. But he was at the beautiful gate of the temple where he didn't feel like he was welcome to a place But Peter and John gave him fellowship, friendship, healing. And they went into the temple together to share God's work in this man's life. He was part of the family. God wrote a story of transforming work that this man was welcome. We all need to be welcoming and we need to see his work in us. God does this work that encourages and helps all of us to reconnect with each of our own stories that we were blind and lost but now we are found and saved through the work of Jesus and the gospel. And that we think about that boldly sharing. This is about relationship. And a lot of times when we talk about boldly sharing, it's about proclamation, just sharing and talking. And that's a subset of what we talk about when we say boldly share. There's also these parts of really fellowshipping, loving, being in relationship growing in that trust and living out the gospel for people. Be good news. In the beginning of Acts, Jesus is actually talking to his disciples. He says, go, be my witnesses. He didn't say go witness, go share and just talk with a bunch of people. He says, be, be my witnesses to, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And we're called to be God's people, reflecting his the values, his desires, his love, his compassion, And when we live that out to be good news, then we can share the good news with word and deed. So that's what we talk about, especially at Central now, as I am teaching a lot of evangelism now, and it's called real-life evangelism. And evangelism, it has such a dirty term nowadays, but sharing the good news. And how do we share that good news? Again, not just with proclamation and going out with a tract or going two by two and just kind of telling people they have to go believe. It's engaging in that relationship making a friend, making friends with your neighbors, making friends with those in our city. And there's three really important relationships when we talk about that kind of uh, evangelism. It emerges from the reaction of three important relationships. First, with God. 
our personal relationship with God. How are you doing with God? How can you give something that you don't have? So as you're walking with God and you want to give this good news and you want to be good news, it has to rest in first coming to God, knowing your own story and seeing God work in our hearts. Allow God to do that transforming work in your life. Two, with the church, being part of a church you love because we're not supposed to be just subsets and lone, lone rangers. We do this together as a body, as a fellowship, and we see that we're called to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. So have a church that you can plug people into so that, again, you see that love and fellowship and koinia. And that's the idea that with a church, being part of a church you love helps us in this reaching out to others. Lastly, you can't just have a relationship with God and you can't just have a relationship with others in the church. You have to have a relationship with people outside the walls of the church. So what does it look like that you have relationship with those that don't have lives that are centered on Jesus? Care about other people who do not know the faith. Have good relationships with them. Be friends with them. Don't do it as just a mission because I have to do these things, but just genuinely care. and Just genuinely see the value that people have as God's called us to see, that he values their lives. We also need to value their lives. There's an article written uh, in the early 2000s on this new process of evangelism. And I, I caution this idea of new process because I think this has always been around. And it just shifts because I think that there are times for each of these to be important. But back in 20 years ago and so forth, or maybe even more, well, especially with people like Billy Graham and Louis Giglio, it was really popular to have these big crusades and these opportunities for tell people to come believe. You can state the truth because people at that time were really seeking truth. And they wanted to know truth. And they wanted to be declared what truth is, an absolute truth. And when you found that absolute truth, you say, believe. Come and believe in this gospel. So this old process was come to hear someone share with you the truth and be interacted with it so that your mind can change and then your heart can change. So come believe. And once you can believe in what the gospel is, then come become part of the church. And when you would come part of the church, then you would belong. You would belong as everyone else and you'd get assimilated, we call it. But at the same time, you would come and join the church. The new process looks a little different, and I, I really believe this because I saw it, especially in the ethnic church that I was part of in here in St. Louis, as well as other ethnic churches I've been in, where you see that first there's a call to belong. There's a deep longing in our society and our culture to feel like you belong to something. And this new shift is get people to feel like you belong and you connect and you know that you want to be in this group so you have a sense of belonging because you genuinely care and you want to belong together. And there's something that's purposeful in that organization or group. So come belong. And our churches are starting to do that more of having people come and belong to your church. And then as you walk alongside and you see witnesses and you see others that are living out the good news, you're impacted. What do you have that I don't have? I want to know what you, don't, what you have because I don't have it in my own life. And then you start seeing that they come to believe. And then after they believe, then they become, they become a believer. And that's that new process of evangelism, the new process that we're seeing in shifts. And what does it look like now to help people come belong to God's family? Then what does it look like to help them believe when they see it in our lives, the transforming work that God's done in our lives? And then what does it look like to help them become a family member of God, just like us? So as we offer this transforming work of God's power in people's lives, we have to see it in our own. 
and be so encouraged by work he's still doing even in these times. So know that as God continues to give us that encouragement, you're not alone. We're doing it together. And we're allowing God to challenge us to boldly care and boldly share his good news for those that need to hear it, and especially our own hearts. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for you. Thank you for your great love for us and the opportunity to share this good news by being good news. So, Father, lead us that we would help people come and genuinely be in relationships so we can see more of your work in our lives. So thank you. Thank you for the encouragement of your work, knowing that it is challenging in these times, but you're still doing it. You're showing us hope and healing from what you do in our lives. Lead us to love others as you've loved us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.